Today on Frightful Failures on Film, we are reviewing Hellions, a 2015 low-budget horror flick that teaches us all a very important lesson. So, go ahead and grab your flamethrower, and don't trust anyone, not even the dog, because it's time for... Frightful Failures! <laughs> Hi everybody, Zach Romero, Tian Guignol. Uh, welcome to Frightful Failures on Film. What, what episode are we on? Are we on actually like seven or eight now? Have we crossed the threshold? I believe, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, this is eight. Um, I could oh be totally God. wrong. Um, yeah, but we, we probably shouldn't. Crossed. We probably shouldn't be betting the farm on us remembering certain like facts about this. <laughs> about like, this show. Is this eight or nine? Meanwhile, it's like episode six. Yeah, this is absolutely eight because we uh, our student uh, student bodies will split up into two episodes. So, oh, true. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, indeed episode eight. Okay, quick question before we get started: What's your favorite line from John Carpenter's The Thing? My favorite line from it? Yeah, like your favorite, like because there's a lot of one liners. You too. Oh, really? That's <laughs> that pretty amazing. <laughs> um, what about you? so hard i would say probably either um at the very beginning with uh mccready and the uh the video chess and he pours the booze and it goes oh. um, <laughs> yeah, that is or or number two is when uh, after they do the test uh the blood test mm-hmm. and uh there's the big monster and they kill it oh my god thank god and then there's the one the one like frumpy white guy and he's uh still tied up and he's like look i know we've been through a lot but I'd rather not spend the rest of the winter tied to a fucking couch. Like that's, <laughs> I was like, God damn, that's great. Yes. You want to just not talk about this huge pile of horse shit and just talk about the thing instead? Oh I'll my even, god! I'll even talk great. about the Ramona Flowers one. I don't care. Mm-hmm. So I have to say, I'm a little this this movie, The Hellions, is a little bit bittersweet for me um, because okay, number wait, one, no, sorry. hold on, you said Hellions? Yes. Is that not what it's called? Is, I, I, it, is, is that called so, something else? No, no, no. I, I, I made. I think I might have made a really uh, bad mistake this week. Um, I watched Minions. Wait, you watched the movie, the the spinoff of Despicable, Despicable Me? Me? Yeah, I thought that's what you said we were going to watch this week. Was the spinoff of Despicable Me? Well, okay. Well, first of all, let's not put this on me because Hellions wasn't even the movie that you said last week. You said oh, something totally different. Yeah. And then <laughs> in the background, we decided something else, and now you're telling me that you know, the background discussion was wrong too. And now you've watched <laughs> the amazing uh, spinoff where they had to write in a plot point to excuse the minions for working for Hitler because they only work for evil villains. So they had to come up with a storyline element that they took a vacation during 1946. Because or whenever the fuck, and then uh, that's Are you serious. Is that an actual part of that movie? Yeah, or... yeah. Because they they established in the beginning that the minions, uh, yeah, they, they work for like they, Dracula. They, and yeah, they, shit. exactly. And so then there's like a part where they're like, oh, and during this time they all went to the North Pole and took a vacation because that's when the Holocaust was happening, and they couldn't come up with a better <laughs> way of like, well, why wouldn't they work with Hitler? They acknowledge the Holocaust. <laughs> they just no. They just say. Oh, and then from this time to this time, they were on vacation. Like, they were in Alaska, you know, up north. And they don't say why, but but the timeline they give is that would have been World War II Hitler time. Wow, okay. Because they they couldn't write themselves out of a corner of, (laughs) oh, God, the minions would absolutely work for Hitler if they had a chance. How do we write ourselves out of this situation? I did not know that at all. Oh my god, that's so spectacular! Yeah, so they should have just gone balls out with it. They should have just had that. Like, and then there was that time for part of the Third Reich. Yeah, you know, just oh great, wow, superb. Um, okay, so yeah, um, can I get back to my comment by the way? Though, so hell get back to your um, comment, and I'm sorry for anyone that managed to stumble on this podcast that, that does listen to the anime and goes, oh, wow, they're, they're going to be uh, watching uh, uh, The Devil's Doorstep next week. I'll make sure to watch it, too, so I know what they're talking about. Yeah, sorry, we watch Aliens instead. Um, but it's, bitter, it's a bittersweet feeling because, on the one hand, um, we had two weeks back-to-back of watching 
interesting and enjoyable films. We watched <laughs> All American Murder, which is not great necessarily, but is hilarious because of Christopher Walken acting. Yes. Um, what mouth action? Um, oh, I need a soundboard. I need a soundboard of just Christopher Walken culture yeah. movie. Um, and then that followed up with Student Bodies, which despite us uh, analyzing the shit out of it uh, last week, is still one of my favorite movies, and I still laugh when I watch it. So it was Wait, like, us? I mean, I was out of town last week. Uh... Well, it's true. You did miss that. I got to see, I got to watch two movies back to back. I don't know if you did your homework and got to actually watch Student Bodies. But, yeah, well, uh, we talked about it off the air, but yeah. Well, and anyway, so it was like a vacation for me. I got to watch two movies that I enjoyed back to back, and then the hard kick in the nuts of, hey, here's some garbage that we get to watch. However, the other side of the coin is, although this movie sucks out loud, um, it was bad enough that I was able to really kind of come up with some real genuine hate for it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we've watched some movies that were bad, but they weren't, like, awful. It was just kind of like, eh, it just wasn't that great. This was genuinely bad. This was like... Oh, this sucks out. This is awful. Um, so as much as I enjoyed the vacation of getting to watch movies I, I, I liked, this is sort of the film that I was sort of getting into this project for in the first place. Yeah, no, and it's true. And ultimately, we, we forget that w w this podcast is Frightful Failures on Film, and sort of the basis for, for everything on this show has to do with that. Movies because yeah it's great and we, we get this nice connection with student bodies but we, we couldn't even uh, write a, a, a quote unquote good review about student bodies because we both liked it right so well, I mean it I kind think... of took the piss out of us being snarky douches about it because it's, it's like, true oh, no, yeah it's actually kind of fun yeah <laughs> oh I actually enjoyed this right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely, and I also, without getting too much into the actual plot of Hellions this week, as you pointed out several episodes ago when we were reviewing The Hollow, it seems like every one of these uh, very new, low-budget, independent horror films that I pick for us, the morality play of it all comes out and just says, like, hey guys, kids... Kids, the best thing that could ever happen to you. Children, the world. Children of the fucking world. And you had pointed that out in the hollow, and I didn't really uh, realize that theme had carried over from the chosen the hollow. But this one, it really is like, oh my god, I need to stop picking movies that have anything to do with children. In <laughs> this is so. What's the next week, everybody? When we review Children of the Corn Seven? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, okay, so let's get into this movie. So, uh, you, like you said, made in 2015, um, IFC uh, helped produce it. It is yeah. on uh, it is on Netflix right now, and I found it on DVD at Walmart and promptly threw it out the window. Um, <laughs> so it is out there. It is easy to find, unfortunately. Um, and so I guess let's talk about the plot, and, and how I'm thinking this should go is we'll discuss the plot, we'll throw in our two cents, and then I have sort of a summary of of my big problem with it towards the end. So hopefully if we get through this fast enough, we won't be in a position where it's like, oh, we're already in an hour, and now comes the thesis. Like I'm we, we, we always do that. I remember the first few episodes, we at least tried to lie to ourselves a little bit and say, hey, let's quickly go over the plot. And we realized that going over the plot takes the entire hour, but right. we'll try so, and speed it up a little bit. Okay, so the the movie is central is all about this uh, this character, Dora, who is not an explorer, which I thought that was already a missed opportunity. Dora um, is not the name of a twenty fifth of a seventeen year old girl in twenty fifteen. A seventeen year old white girl. Yeah. Fifteen, by the way. Yeah. Um, and so she's this seventeen year old, like free spirit, you know, skipping school. She's a naughty girl, and uh, she's got smoking this... the old devil's cabbage with her boyfriend. Right, and. Uh, so then, then, oops, we find out that she's pregnant. Uh, she's four weeks pregnant, according to the doofy doctor. And now it's like she's, it's like a not funny version of Juno. Like she's trying to figure out what to do about it. And it's Halloween. And so she's going to go to some kind of party with her boyfriend or something. And, uh, and if it sounds like we're kind of glossing over a lot, we're really not. The movie does not give us an overabundance of information about yeah. her person. 
you get very little connection to this character or any character. I mean, uh, when you go to this uh, film's IMDb page, there are actually four characters in this movie that have more than one line. I mean, there really is just Dora and then her two, uh, I guess you'd call it the protectors, one being the doctor we've already met, um, and then her mother, her brother, her boyfriend. That's it. And the oh, mother, oh, no, mother, and then what about, what about the, the police chief? There's the sheriff. He's, he, there's the T1000. Yeah, the T1000. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Wait, well, I mean, here, I've, I've got a clip here so we can really kind of sure. get the uh, the characterization of Dora, really get into her head as Let's a uh, as a protagonist. So here, let me play this real quick. Baby, listen to me. You can't be skipping class anymore to be messing around with what's his face. Messing around? <laughs> Just stop. All right. All I'm saying is it's your senior year, and I would really like to see you graduate. You know, Mom, we can't all be prom queens like you. Fine, Dora. That's fine. Just do me a favor, get your grades up, and at least try and make it to the prom. Now, the the interesting thing about this, uh, so I'm watching this movie. I've done no research on, on Hellions prior, because um, I really wanted to, I didn't want to spoil anything for me. And, uh... She's the kind of character that you would expect to be killed off in a slasher movie. She's kind of selfish. She's just sort of a dick for no reason. And she's just not particularly likable. So I'm like, oh, okay, she's definitely fodder for, like, a serial killer. No, she's the one we're hanging the whole movie on. Yeah, she's your final girl. Not even your final girl. She's your only girl. Right. Um, And, uh, by the way, she goes to this doctor to try and, you know, get diagnosed. Well, what is wrong with me? Oh, you're pregnant. And so this doctor is having this extremely serious conversation with this 17-year-old girl about, you're pregnant. Now, let's discuss some options. I'm sure your head is spinning. Go home. Think about it. We're going to have to tell your parents, but I just at least want to give you some time to think about where you want to do. The whole time he's wearing Spock ears because it's Halloween, which I found great. You know, I, I, the whole hospital, is somebody's walking in like, you have cancer, and they're dressed like Grimace or something. <laughs> you know? yeah, that was, I found that terribly, terribly uh, distracting because yes. they established in the beginning there's like a girl in the waiting room with like a bee costume on. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. everybody's wearing a costume. But, like, he's not wearing anything else Spock-related. It's literally <laughs> just the ears. Just the ears. And so for the first, like, two minutes of that scene, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what the hell is on the side of his head? And then I was like, oh, they're, they're Spock ears. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, delivering very grim, serious news with a very silly prop on. I was like, mm, way to go, Patch Adams. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he tell, they discuss, okay, well, we'll have to have, you know, some, some difficult talks, yada, yada, yada. Um, and Dora doesn't. She goes home, doesn't tell anybody, and uh, so her mom and and brother are going to go out trick or treating, and so she's going to be at the door. Is going to be at the house for a bit before her boyfriend comes and picks her up, and they're going to go to a party. Um, so while that's happening, uh, she's getting like knocks. She gets a knock at the door, opens it up. First trick or treater. It's like this kind of creepy, shittily put together scarecrow costume. It looks like it looks exactly like Sam from Trick or Treat. That's what I thought too, and I yeah. think and I and I think that's what this movie's going for. Not necessarily mm-hmm. they're trying to rip off Trick or Treat, but they're trying to rip off the the look of Trick or Treat, the aesthetic of Trick or Treat. The other thing that this uh, that this ripped off with the Trick or Treaters was uh, uh, the look of them, at least, especially this first one that comes to the door is the orphanage. If you saw that, oh yes, that's true. Yeah. So basically, this keeps happening. More and more creepy children uh, come to the door. And actually, you know what the other thing I thought of when I saw the the kids with the weird like makeshift costumes? What's I was that? like, this is the shittiest uh, lock, shock, and barrel costume oh I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's true. Honestly, though, uh, you know, if we're to break it down, I kind of liked, if we're to really take the parts of, uh, what, what did you like about this movie? The trick trees were maybe one of the things I actually did like, uh, the look of them at least. True. The one with the bucket on his head, I really liked just the look of that. Um, so some of them really did have a nice look as far as being creepy. Yeah, there was one, there's a, there's a kid who's got like a really weird deformed like Mickey Mouse head. Yeah. Like that, the, yeah, there, you know what, it, uh, that we're talking about this, it reminds me of our discussion of uh, The Purge. And how like the now that they're like three movies in, they have like a genuine, like, there's an aesthetic and a look to Purgers. It's the same kind of thing. It was like there was a genuine look to these like creepy kids, 
Yeah, there was no way that you were going to see some other kid walking, trick-or-treating, rolling the street and think, oh, is that one of them? They had a very, very specific Which, look to them. I have to say, I'm impressed that they didn't go for that low-hanging fruit. Like, they didn't do the old, like, Halloween uh, sequel bait of, like, oh, we got Michael Myers. And then it's like, oh, it's just a joke. I'm just dressed up like a serial killer. And you're like, oh, man. They didn't do that in this movie, which I was kind of impressed with. Yeah. I thought that was definitely given. Uh, that if they had tried that, I mean, you would have had Dora opening the door and, like, taking some regular kid's head off with a machete or something. Right. And then realizing, like, oh, this is this doesn't sound like a demon squealing. So, anyways, so uh, the kids keep showing up, and now they're evil, is what we find out. Um, and one of them touches her, her stomach, and she starts having issues. She's, like, bleeding, and it's she's getting sick, and something's wrong. Um and then the kids just keep showing up, and then they have mystical powers, it seems, because suddenly the the whole film goes with this weird purple-pink tint. Oh my fucking god. This was my main problem with this whole movie, was that stupid filter. Really? I, I don't... I don't understand. I've never seen a movie do that! Where they, uh, 20 minutes into the movie, decide, you know what, we're going for this, like, blush, like, dusty rose filter that we're just gonna apply over... Dream everything well american dream (laughs) well you said dusty rose and i thought you said dusty roads and i was like i did not see dusty roads in this because i would have saved this movie oh no no if he was was given the fucking bionic elbow to these little kids like (laughs) let me tell you something baby bow like i would have been like oh this movie totally redeemed itself you're right if there were professional wrestlers in this movie it definitely would have improved it but no um this light pink color that they apply 20 minutes in the movie that you think oh, this is going to be a weird sequence. It's not a sequence. It's the whole rest of the movie. Yeah, because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, are we doing, like, Silent Hill, where, like, this is going to be, like, the dead world or something like that? Nightmare mode, you know, or whatever, yeah. Nope. Um, I I wonder if it was, like, their way to... Maybe they filmed Day for Night? Like, maybe that was, like, their way around it, if they could? I don't know. that's so lazy, if that was the reason, that they're like, oh, we got to do this. It's not, as soon as that gets applied, it's not scary at all. Um, because when they show up there, there's, there's the three progressions of them showing up the door. As you said, they show up once, creepy kid, he stands there, doesn't say anything, it's kind of, oh, this is weird, but nothing standard. Next time, just like you said, they show up, one of them touches their stomach, uh, her stomach, this is mama, implying, oh, these kids are really scary, either they've been listening to my conversations, or they know I'm pregnant in some way, these little shits. So right. she she sends them off, and then the third one that they show up at the door is really when they establish here comes the horror because she starts tossing the candy out at them, and then she looks in one of their bags that this candy and her is boyfriend's going. head is in the bag. Yeah, exactly. And so those are your three progressions. That's when the horror kicks off. And at that point, I said, oh, wow, okay. Uh, and I was so used to us watching, you know, things like The Hollow and The Chosen where there's no gore at all. So seeing a, a full shot of a severed head, I was like, okay, let's, all right, I'm, I'm on board at this point. And then right after that, the whole, the, the earthquake happens. The film turns to uh, turns to Dusty Roads. And, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, and then there's, and like a, point, there's no horror. She calls 911. She's like, oh, my God, they killed my boyfriend. And they're like, oh, you got to stay on the phone. And then, like, a hurricane just kicks up in the living room. Like, there's, like, yeah. shit flying all over the place. And they're like, oh, I can't. The reception is bad all of a sudden. And so <laughs> then she's just left alone. So we've established now that these children have some sort of mystical powers. Um, so she, in a desperation, she calls the doctor mm-hmm. from earlier with the Spock ears. And... uh so he shows up to try to save her, and still has the Spock ears on, by the way, when he shows up, which I was like, you're going to have to get rid of those if I'm going to take you seriously as a, as a potential hero. So he shows up to try to save the day, and uh, somehow the kids have attacked him. Which, okay, and I say that because he's, like, bleeding from the neck, and he's just like, oh, these kids, these kids. And so she gets him in the house, and uh, and that brings us to our next clip, actually. So, um, she brings him in the house, and they're trying to figure out, like, what the hell to do from here. Those, those kids came out of nowhere. You have to listen to me. You have your car, right? Tell me you have your car. Right down the road. But they're everywhere. I'm not going back out there. I'm not going back out there, and I parked my car an unawkwardly long distance away from the house for some reason. 
I think it was this clip right here, especially because right before that you see him up against the window, and he, there's this very awkward interaction between them where he puts his bloody hand up against the window and goes, help, I'm dead, I'm dead. You know, essentially, I've been stabbed or I've been uh, mutilated in some way by these kids, and she looks at him and she goes, around the back door, around the back, go, go around the back door. As if this guy isn't, you know, on death's doorstep right here. Right, and then the fact that he does, like, that's the, like, like <laughs> it's not just like, oh, I'm dead. He's like, oh, I, I'm, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll be, I'll be there in a minute. Like, <laughs> But but it was this scene that made me realize I think this guy is indeed our Toby Award winner for this movie. Interesting. Uh, now, 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 let me hear why, why you say that. Oh, the way he delivers these lines, I mean, I know we didn't play the exact clip um, where he's even at the window there, but but that was really bad, um, where he's there, he's like, they're everywhere, they're, they are everywhere, and then when he comes in and they're saying, where's your, where's your car, where's your car, he's like, uh, parked, um, far, far away, it's just very, very awkward lines, which you can blame the writing, but uh, delivered very awkwardly. Yeah, he was very good at being, like, the stiff doctor of, like, well, I'm sorry, you're pregnant, blah, blah, blah. But when it came to, like, being, like, a, an actual person in a dangerous situation, he was still this weird Spock where he was just like, I don't know, and that was it. Like, And then he tries to throw his keys to her, and then she's like, oh, why would I need your keys? And he's like, because mm-hmm. I'm probably going to die. And it's, uh, it's very, very <laughs> yeah, dumb. That, that is exactly the thought that I had. Uh, you're exactly right, where... Seeing him in that situation, I'm like, wow, this guy's a terrible victim. He was a great doctor, so movies out there, hire him if you just need one doctor scene. But, right, uh, but don't ask him to have, like, a personality or anything else afterwards. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one thing we forgot to mention is that prior to the trick-or-treaters showing up, uh, our protagonist, quote-unquote, Dora, is having a bit of uh, horrific visions about her pregnancy. There's one scene where she's... Uh, laying in the tub, she starts bleeding out her butt, and then uh, she sees like a vision of this horrible, you know, baby monster thing. And then also, before the the doctor uh, eats shit in this movie and, and finally dies, mm-hmm. he makes the startling realization that somehow she's gone from four weeks pregnant to four months pregnant mm-hmm. in the span of a couple hours. Yeah. And uh, that uh, I think I like looked away for a second, so I didn't realize he was using a stethoscope in that scene. So I just saw them pushed up against each other, and I couldn't see his hand. I'm like, is his arm inside her right now? Yeah, he was literally like jostling the baby fetus around inside. Like he reached in <laughs> and was like, "That is a four month fetus. If I ever felt one, that's hey, how." That's the whole thing. I've, I felt the little toes, the little legs. <laughs> felt it four months. If I've ever seen it, it was such an assertion of. Four months. It wasn't like, hey, you're in your second trimester, which is between, you know, two and five months. It was like, hey, this is four months. Four months a dot, baby. I did the math. Hey. Uh, Great. So so now we start to uh, establish that um, what's going on here, the main crux of this film is these creepy kids... And they keep uh, keep exponentially growing, by the way. The first is just three. It's Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, there's like 10 kids um, either showing up in visions or showing up like in outdoor shots. Um, and basically the bottom line is these creepy kids from who knows where with mystical powers want this baby. They want this baby as like part of their sacrifice or something like that. It's not really clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's our whole movie. That's what the whole movie is based around is now this girl who we don't really know and don't really care about has to fight off these hell babies to keep the unborn child that she doesn't really want in the first place. I think that this movie really forgot kind of the crux of, of what a horror film is meant to do, which is that you are supposed to feel a genuine tension and fear uh, empathetically for the character, at least the main character, but uh, hopefully several of the characters that are getting killed off, you're saying, I don't want them to get killed off. This, I did not care about Dora at all. I said, kill her. Take the baby. That's fine. I don't I don't care. And therefore, there's no tension in the movie, especially under the pink filter. And that's my main issue with this whole pink filter thing. Now, I had a different reason for no tension. And mm-hmm. um, I... Uh, the, the, the big problem for me, and I, I think this is where the, the plot synopsis is going to fall off the rails... Um, the reason I had no tension in this film 
mm-hmm. is not because necessarily I didn't I wasn't super familiar with the main character or uh, or the pink filter. This movie has no rules in it. No rules at all. For instance, the reason why Halloween, the original one, is so scary is because Michael Myers is just a man. He's a man in a mask, mm-hmm. and he's coming to town, and he's going to kill his sister. And that's scary. That's scary because it's just a human being. You go, how can they, how could anyone be capable of this? Now, if Michael Myers had, like, superpowers and was, like, flying around and zip-zapping through shit and, like, laser-eyed people, then you'd just be like, well, then what the hell? Like, who's even going to be able to stop him? Like, this is just ridiculous. Same thing mm-hmm. with Jaws. Jaws is scary because it's a living thing. It's a giant shark, and it's just three guys on a boat, and where are they going? Oh, my God, where can they go? They're trapped. That's genuine scary tension there. Now, if the shark could fly out of the water or if it had a machine gun or something like that, then you'd just be like, well, this is just ridiculous. Then what, what the hell's even the point? And that's exactly what this movie was. There's these children. They have magic powers. They seem to be unstoppable. And they can just do whatever they want. And it's like, well, then why are they even fucking around? Just kill her and take the kid then. What is this whole, like, cat and mouse game when it's like, oh, in every scene they can just do whatever. It's like they can do what It's it's like kids on a playground. You're playing a game and they just keep making more and more stuff up. Where it's like, oh, now I can do this. Oh, no, no, I'm allowed to do this now. Oh, I can do this now. Well, then if there's no rules, then what's even the fucking point? And that was my biggest problem. That's why there was no tension for me. Because the minute that she was like, oh, well, I have this, I'll, I'll go over here. Oh, just kidding, they can appear there. Or, oh, they can make a hurricane in the living room. Or, oh, they can do this. Or they can climb on the ceiling. Or they can grab this or eat this or make a baby grow in a belly or do whatever. It was like they can do whatever they want and there's no consequences to it. And it's like, well, then why the fucking should I be invested in this movie then? If they can just do whatever they want, then why even bother? Yes, and and I thought that specifically in regards to how these things are killed, because I think what they they first seem to acknowledge almost. I believe the first kill in this is like something with like water, isn't it? And it's no, like kind I of thought a, so too. No, yeah. Uh, she's, the scene is there's one of the creatures is in the kitchen and it's just kind of stalking Dora, and Dora's mm-hmm. just literally throwing anything within arm's reach at this thing. Um, and so she's like throwing pots and pans and whatever and whatever. And she grabs a thing of salt, like a like one of those big, uh, like cardboard cylinders of salt, mm-hmm. and throws that. And the salt hits the creature, and the creature starts to sizzle and, and die. Yeah, but I so had to watch it over twice because what she throws appears to be like a cup of something, mm-hmm. and how it's reacting to the creature looks like you splashed acid in its face. Yeah, it's this weird, uh, almost religious holy water type thing, which there's a lot of weird kind of religious themes with this movie. And so you think, oh, maybe because at one point they push one in a tub, don't they? Yes, and, and but that the thing tub has bath salts in it. Oh, that's right, that's right. So, so, so salt, for some reason, kills these guys. Yeah, because but the point, fucking, just, it's an yeah, episode she, of Supernatural all of a sudden, and salt is purifying and salt can just d- deal with all kinds of horror creatures. Yeah, yeah. So, so but, but but that said, I mean, I I definitely was not on board with that. And and just to clarify, I don't think that the argument that you are making is that there is no form of supernatural horror that can be good, right? No, absolutely not. Like yeah. you watch like the movie like a movie like the original Poltergeist, and that's a terrifying film. But there's still rules to that movie, like the yes. the, the supernatural elements are contained to the house. The house itself is evil. If they could leave, if they could get the hell out of there and go drive, you know, two towns over, they'd be fine. But that's the trick is, oh my God, our kid got sucked in the goddamn TV and now we got to go through the closet to get her. There are rules within that movie. The Exorcist has rules. That's exactly what I was just going to say is that um, uh, the Exorcist actually in the film clarifies your point. And, you know, they say, if you're the devil, why don't you just free yourself from these traps? And Reagan says that would be far too vulgar a display of power. And that's exactly what you're saying, is that it's not scary if it's an all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-dancing uh, villain in the movie. Right, exactly. Thank you. That's 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 100% accurate. Because, yeah, by establishing rules, not only are you going to build tension, but even if you break those rules, there's still an element of excitement there. Yeah, no, absolutely. But just so, having so, none at uh, all, it's like, well, then why why be invested then? 
Yeah. So to finish off the sort of plot of this movie, which there's not much, guys. It sounds like we've only talked about this movie for 10 minutes, but I swear to God, we've talked about 45 minutes of this movie. There's just so little to it. Um, so after uh, Dr. Henry shows up, he's quickly killed off. He's pulled down a vent. Um, his head sliced off. And then we have the only other character, the only other male character, male adult that we've met in this movie besides the boyfriend which is the T-1000, who we saw very, very briefly telling some punk, some punk kids that their ass is grass and he's a lawnmower, which sounds very gay. That doesn't sound <laughs> Um <laughs> So he shows up with a shotgun. He starts blasting away, um, helping her out. Where did he disappear to when he first shows up? What happened to him? Is he dragged off? Yeah, he gets sucked up in the attic. Yeah, and he assumes he's dead. But here's the thing. The movie... <laughs> almost had me for a second mm-hmm. for a fucking second it almost had it because you may be listening to this and go well where do these kids come from like what's their story we don't know there is zero explanation about these kids where mm-hmm. they get their powers from nothing is explained it's just like no oh, there they are they're scary um so at one and point- by, the, by the end you do get the heavy implication that these are legitimate demons, um, which doesn't really make their goal make sense. I don't know why they want the baby, but it seems like they're kind of here for punishment type of thing. Like, Now, here's the thing. I I didn't necessarily see them as demons. I saw them more as ghosts because... Oh, like unborn children? Exactly, exactly. Mm, They're like abortion ghosts that are haunting this town. But Uh. nevertheless, um, so we actually get a snippet of maybe potential backstory. The T-1000... Sits our, our protagonist down and goes, oh, my God, you were pregnant. These things came here before when my wife was pregnant and they killed her and took the baby like mm-hmm. 20 years ago when it was the last blood moon. And so they're back and they want their sacrifice. And then, like, he starts sounding like the kids, like how they have, like, spooky voices. So I thought for a second that we were going to have a flippy do and the movie was going to be like, oh, he's in on it. There's like a cult. Like, they have to sacrifice every 30 years or so because these hell beasts come in and start, like, fucking shit up. And so, you know, it they, they have to, it was going to be like the Wicker Man. Like, they have to sacrifice something every couple of years to make sure that, you know, shit doesn't get crazy. No, no, he just happens to know about this. Anyway, back to trying to shoot these things and they're not dying. Um, and I was like, okay, so there really is just no reason then. We're not going to establish any sort of... And look, I wasn't looking for, like, a Wikipedia entry on these stupid, you know, trick-or-treat cosplayers or what they come from or what they could... I'm just looking for some sort of direction for this movie to be in. Like, well, what the hell am I watching this for? Like, what's our goal? What are we trying to accomplish? And the movie kind of tiptoed towards that and then was like, but anyway, here's this spooky thing. And it's like, no, 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 that's not enough. Um, So, after, like... Another 20 minutes of not getting anywhere with these monsters, and uh, T-1000 gets sucked up in the attic, and, and Dora thinks she's on her own again. She has this, like, freak-out moment where it, it kind of dawns on her how to potentially stop these things. And so we've got this uh, clip queued up here. I am starving. Are you hungry? I've been eating all day. I don't know what is up with me. These things are delicious. Just needs a little bit of salt. The salt makes it so much better. Want some? Because we're on the radio and we have the theater of the mind. Uh, She's looking in the mirror. We have a very Evil Dead 2 kind of moment. She's looking in the mirror. God, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's that's exactly right. It is directly ripped from Evil Dead 2. There's no doubt in my mind that they didn't think about that. And so the reflection is acting completely different than what she's doing. And she has a little fork with a little baby fetus on it, and then she seasons it with salt, and she's going to eat it. Now, let me, this is, for being such a weird scene, oh, and then of course she goes, oh my god, yes, the salt fucks them up, so then she empties out the shotgun shells of gunpowder, sticks bath salts in them instead, and now she can start kind of fighting these these creatures for a second. Um, so that's the whole point of this scene. Um, but I have to say, this scene gave me such a weird range of feelings. Because, yes, it's a blatant Evil Dead 2 ripoff. Number two, it is a very stupid way to remind her that salt worked. Because, obviously, salt worked before. She threw it at the one and it sizzled on the ground and it's dead. 
So why she needed this kind, like why she needed this information represented to her in such a way, doesn't make any sense at all. Like because I don't. This, know. Ha- this happens before she pushes the one into the tub of bath salts. True, correct? but but she throws the salt, the table salt, at the one earlier in the kitchen. Yeah, mm-hmm. so she's already kind of could have figured it out. Um, it was yeah, it was very very strange that this particular scene because it's almost too subtle as a reminder. Because it's just a, uh, for, on the surface level, it's just a weird thing she's seeing in the, in the mirror. Right. Just a, a kind of weird hallucination of herself eating this little fetus, salting it, almost as a callback to her eating all these, you know, pickles, being pregnant, having weird appetite for things. And, so, uh, yeah. But, but I wanted to say, so, yes, it's an Evil Dead 2 ripoff. Yes, it's a really weird roundabout way to remind her of, like, oh, hey, salt kills these things. But, on the other side, that 10 seconds of her in the mirror, she is so much less wooden and so much more likable as an actress there. Like, <laughs> it's really, it's like true. she, like she kind of has charisma there. Like, mm-hmm. so I was like, what, why couldn't we have her like this the whole movie? And uh, then number two, just in a vacuum, that is such a weird and like kind of darkly funny moment that is completely out of place in this movie. But I would much rather see that movie. Like, oh, absolutely. If like, they want I to big, go to like, the, make one big Evil Dead 2 reference. <laughs> I want to go to the alternate universe where that scene makes sense in the movie. Like, yeah. where the whole movie is weird and, like, kind of darkly funny. And it's like, oh, my God, like, she's going to eat a baby fetus. Like, <laughs> what the hell kind of movie is this? I want to see that movie. Because the movie I, I watched sucked balls, okay? Like, it was awful. And so I want to see the movie where that scene makes sense, because I think that movie would be hilarious. It would be like Death to Smoochie. Like, you're laughing, but you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm laughing at this. This is so horrible. Like, that movie I want to see. Hellions I want to shit on. Like, I want to literally, I'm going to go to Walmart, go buy, go spend too much money on this movie just so I can shit on it and feel better about myself. Like, Like, that was such a weird moment. But kind of made me laugh, and I was like, "Oh God! Like, why want to? I want to go see that instead because what we got here was just not worth the squeeze." Um, so yeah, that scene didn't make any sense in the context of the movie. It was mm-hmm. really out of place tonally. It didn't fit at all. But it was way that ten seconds of footage was more entertaining than the entire rest of the movie combined. And this is sort of a weird recurring theme for us at this point, where we watch a movie that's just so stiff. And so, without any amount of life to it at all, and we just think, God, if they put some some damn jokes in this movie, it would have been better. Right, you know, which, that, which yeah. you know, we, not every movie needs to be student bodies, but in this case, it's like, the movie just it was completely forgettable, except for that one moment, which didn't even fit in the movie anyway. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, we're, we're only making this assertion with movies that just end up being flat out right. boring. You know, if we watch a, a legitimately good thriller, a legitimately good horror film that builds some great tension in it, we wouldn't think, hey, this needs some jokes. But this needs something. If they wanted to go in the other direction and and take off the filter and have this be a a truly scary, thrilling movie where we care about this girl, we care about what's happening, or there are some amount of rules in this universe where we want her to survive, we want her to be able to get away from these things, then that would be perfectly fine. We wouldn't want jokes. Yeah, if this movie was Hellraiser, cautionary tale about premarital sex with Mm -hmm. instead of Cenobites and scary children, that's fine. I'm on board with that. Mm -hmm. But don't do this weird, like, okay, this is this weird minimalist play where there's only like three characters in it and we're not explaining anything. And here's some kids that have magic powers Then I'm not on board with that. That's just, that's too much of a mess. So anyway, let's play our other clip here. We've got, uh, we've got the children essentially laying out, the game plan of the rest of the movie of what their, what their goal is and they're trying to make it spooky. And, uh, and so here's, here's basically what they're, what they want. They lay it all out because apparently they're being too subtle and too clever. So they're going (laughs) to lay it all out. Hey, by the way, here's what we're here for. Here's what we're looking to do. And here it is. Tori, can you hear me? It's me. Listen, this is what happens now. Lights out. Baby grow. Dora, sleep. Can you hear me, Dora? Then we carry you. Can you 
say the Dora is it me in the very beginning that already irked me because I was I'm watching I'm like okay so we're gonna get the leader now we're gonna get the 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 one who's behind it we're gonna get the devil whoever we're getting somebody who's gonna have like a fucking direction here no it's just the kids speaking as like one entity oh it's me I thought for a second that it was her own unborn fetus talking to her um when it when when it first started and it said, can you hear me? Do you know who this is? And I'm like, is this, her, is this her baby inside her right now talking to her? It probably was. Um, but, but no, you're right. It was kind of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It was just, uh, I'm sitting there watching it. I'm just like, okay, this is just dumb. And, and they reuse like the ending, like they kind of do like a flash forward thing where it's like, oh, this might be what happens. But it was just, it just felt like they didn't film enough stuff to put in there. So they were just like, uh, we'll just reuse the ending then. We'll just kind of yeah, like they just put that in in the middle, like, oh, let's give her a premonition of what's going to happen in the future. Let's have them lay out the plans because within the context, of this, even though we know nothing about these trick or treaters, what reason do they have to tell her any amount of what their plans are at all? Like, why is that going to benefit them in any way? Yeah, them them literally putting everything to a halt to tell the James Bond villain monologue of like, Hey, here's the plan, by the way, just FYI. Like, yeah, it served no purpose. Like it doesn't help or move anything forward in any way. Yeah. So, uh, well here, let me, let's, let's, let's shift gears. Let's talk about the only thing that I can really say positive about this film. And then I'm going to go full bore balls to the wall poop on this. Sure. So, the only thing that I kind of thought the movie did all right with was the one Evil Dead scene and the soundtrack. The music, yeah. There was some there was some interesting music choices thrown in there. Um, that kind of you know what it almost reminded me of Krampus. No, although yes, good answer. But no, it reminded me of <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. Mm, the yeah. ending where they're like doing the weird like Satan chant. That's what a lot of the music choices sort of reminded me of because they kept sort of building on whatever the scene was, and there was a lot of, like, weird children choruses in it. So I have a little bit queued up here. Great. And so this is sort of what uh, what we're talking about. Which I almost left the part with the cop sound in it because there's a part earlier where there's a co- they take the cop's car and they're just kind of like fucking with the noisemaker because they're supposed to be kids, and so uh, they do that. And uh, so there's a part in, the, in one of the variations of the song. It's like na 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 whoop 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 whoop, and I was like, I almost put that in, <laughs> but uh, I decided against it. The last it's really good and. Um... Uh, near the end there, when it really starts to reach a, a high point, we got the tension of the film, and uh, the kids are all screaming blood and sort of thing in the song, and it's much louder and more in your face. I really liked it. I remember that was one of my takeaways from this movie was, hey, I would probably put this on my Apple Music. Why not? I thought the same thing. I was like, I would actually have that on, like... I would I would buy the Hellion soundtrack on vinyl like that, that <laughs> like that was the only redeeming quality. Everything else about it was just awful. And here's where I I have my biggest issue mm-hmm. is I've no like a lot of the shock value of this film comes from the pregnancy angle and, and about potentially so losing the baby it. and she's yeah. bleeding from her vagoo. There's and it's like, too much vaginal and, blood in this movie. And I get I get that they're trying to be shocking. But all I thought was that it was in bad taste because I've known people who have had complications in real life. I know people Mm -hmm. who have lost babies in real life and it's not fun and it's not interesting or artsy or anything like that. So watching this, I wasn't offended because the movie would have had to actually bring something to the table in order to be offensive. But Mm -hmm. it was just like, what's the benefit of this? What is, what are you getting out of this by having this be the main crux of it? Like, what are you doing? What is this providing? By making it like, oh, she's bleeding about that. What, it, shock value? Because I'm not shocked. 
I'm shocked I'm by real life. This is just bullshit. Yeah, I, I won't pretend uh, to know whether or not somebody involved with this film actually did had something happen. True. You know, like actually True. did have to go through this, and this is maybe their way of dealing with it. That would be kind of cool if that was the way that they wanted to deal with this. They said, this is a horrible experience, and I'm never going to forget this, but let me at least make this kind of weird, gross movie about it. Right. Um, to kind of deal with it. And, and that would be, but I have a feeling that's not the case. I have a feeling that it was probably two white guys who just sat down and were like, this will be fucking growth. Vagina and indeed growth. it is. They are. <laughs> indeed they are in this movie. There's the scene where she's, uh, kind of in a shack and, and literally, uh, like the shining fills the shack up with period blood. With blood, but, but blood! It's, it's horrible. Uh, it's absolutely awful. And that's actually, and so, that's for, all, when, for anybody uh, yeah. for anybody keeping score at home, the butt blood soundbite will definitely be on the uh, Frightful Farrier soundboard someday. <laughs> so don't worry about that. Do not worry. But but really, the butt blood scene, the secondary one of this one, or third or fourth maybe, where she's in a small, almost like an outhouse or something yeah. that's connected to her actual house, filling up with it, and then suddenly who opens the door and drains it all out over his pants and shoes, I presume, which I would leave at that point, um, is the T-1000 once again, who's returned. Um, so they have a weird moment where they're in his old house, and he has the baby that his wife was going to have, and then he hands it to, to Dora, and then it's like a weird squid baby, and I'm like, I'm not even invested in this. Like, I don't care. What not that I think that do. the filmmakers of this movie have seen Eraserhead, but I definitely got that from this. True. More than likely, they they played PT and right. said, "Oh, that's gross," right. and stole it from them instead. Well, and, okay, so let let's. I, I think we could end this with what movies that that it definitely ripped off. Um, <laughs> it definitely ripped off Evil Dead Two. Yeah, I, I would say possibly Eraserhead. Um, Trick or Treat, a, most definitely. Yes, uh, Rosemary's mm-hmm. Baby. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, Krampus for the soundtrack. Krampus, and also Krampus, I, I got a Krampus feeling during a lot of this, where they're in the basement and you hear them upstairs, and yeah. they're kind of, they sound almost mischievous at that yeah. point. Less directly threatening and malicious, but more mischievous. You know, shit's breaking, you know, pots and pans are falling over, plates are breaking, and you hear them just kind of giggling. I got definite Krampus vibes from that, which Krampus yeah. is, you know, gremlins, you know, or there's other things that Krampus are inspired by. Krampus is more directly horror than something like Gremlins. Yeah. So overall, any other thoughts on this pile of shit? Oh, God. Um, we, well, we do need to discuss just the final ending of this, which we oh, have to mention, but there's this really <laughs> long... This fucking ending. Like, oh, Stanley this is Kubrick. so stupid. There's this, like, Stanley Kubrick shot in the very beginning of the movie. There's this long, drawn-out hallway shot where she walks... She's in a hospital gown. She's in the hospital. She's holding up her little baggie. Um, and she's walking down this hallway and eventually gets up and puts her hand on a window. That's the first shot in the whole movie. So we know she's eventually going to end up in the hospital. And indeed she does. After T-1000 kind of rescues her, there's this final scene where she's digging into herself, attempting to remove the baby from her own self, just to end everything. She's laughing once again more evil than two. It's like she's just gone insane. She's digging this baby out of herself. Um, this is... It sounds like we're skipping over a lot, but we're not. Um, and so eventually she wakes up. There's clocks spinning around. Shit's going crazy. She wakes up in the hospital. Turns out, um, I guess she didn't dig into herself. That was a dream. Um, or, or maybe she was successful at taking this baby out of her. It doesn't really clarify, does it? No. In fact, their, their, their answer on their big dry erase board, the, the directors of this movie, the writers, was so many dream sequences because there's like, yeah, she's like carving into herself. Just kidding. She's not carving into herself. Mm-hmm. Then she wakes up in the hospital and her mom's there. Just kidding. Her mom hates her. She stabs her in the belly a bunch. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. That's a dream too. Like there's so much that's just like, so what even was fucking real then? That's another big thing. And that's, that's almost the same point as, well, these guys have unlimited power. Why do I care? If the movie doesn't even know what's real and what's not, why do I care? Why yeah, because, care? because again, so she wakes up for real in the hospital. There's nobody there. 
She gets up, she walks down the hall, and then we're back to the first scene in the movie. She walks in the long hallway, puts her hand in the glass. It's like the incubator room for the babies. It's the whatever, where they're all sitting there. Is with that the, the official term? I don't know. It's the it's the storage locker for, for babies. <laughs> um, it's the shit shack for the children. Um, and they're, mm-hmm. they're all sitting there. And so she, like, looks on it, like, oh, kind of sad, like, looking at sleeping babies. And then we have that stupid, like, Dora, do you hear me kind of bullshit again? And then that's our end. Which, again, okay, so back to the beginning. So what was a dream and what wasn't? Because the doctor said she was four weeks pregnant at the beginning. So even if all the Hellions bullshit was all a dream, then it's like, well, she still shouldn't be in the hospital because she's only four, four weeks pregnant. Like, she had, she didn't have the kid yet. And then if yeah. she did have the kid, then it wasn't a dream. And what the fuck is going on? And what kind of bullshit ending is this? Yeah, it doesn't even flat out say whether or not the end... Uh, and maybe this is their point, like, oh, let's keep the fucking guessing. But this is the wrong kind of leaving your audience guessing where you're... This is the kind of uh, guessing where you say, why did I care about this movie at all or anything that happened in it? Because I don't know what's real and I don't know what the fuck just happened. So we, it doesn't even imply whether or not she has actually successfully had the baby at the end of the movie. She's just looking into babies in a room. Whether what? or not that's mournfully, as you said, like, oh, I wish my baby was in here, or whether that's, oh, hey, there's my baby right there, that one right there, in the blue right. hat, that's and mine. Here's, and here's the thing, just like we talked about with the it's okay to have supernatural elements in a horror movie, mm-hmm. same thing here. You can you can leave an unclear ending to your movie to get people to ask questions or discuss. Hell, uh, the biggest movie discussion in the past decade was goddamn it's Inception. falling over. Yeah, like... Oh my God! Like, what? How does Inception really end? Like, that's mm-hmm. okay to do that because there's bigger questions to ask. This, uh, the only thing I thought was, oh well, clearly they they ran out of a budget to do whatever their real ending was, and they just ended with this horseshit instead. Like, that was honestly my first thought because yeah. it's so just kind of wrapped up. It felt so like, yeah, you know what? We're done. Just everybody go home. Like, that's how that ending felt to me. It just felt mm-hmm. like kind of just stuck in there, and it's just like, well, that's it. That's the end. It's funny to watch a movie a couple weeks ago where they make a joke about Wizard of Oz at the end of the movie, and then this almost does it sincerely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, unblinking, staring at the camera, like, no, she just woke up, it's okay. Like, oh, God, it was so yeah. dumb. And so, it just, it, it, not only was there just a big dick, a kick in the dick through the whole movie, but then it was just a slap on the asshole on the way out, just like, this is just stupid. And I, I was totally not enthralled by this at all. And the ending, I felt, was not not just lazy. It just was nonsensically lazy. Mm. Like, yeah. Like, it's one thing to have a lazy ending to a movie, and you're just going, like, oh, that's unfortunate. This was just like, they didn't even have an ending, and it was just like, I don't know, there's babies, whatever. Yeah, having this discussion really makes me realize that I can't have my main issue with this movie be the stupid pink filter. No, definitely stick with that. Of it. Stick with yeah. that. I'm going to make you a t-shirt that says, I hate pink filters. Like, that's I hate pink I filters. Mean. And have the shirt be pink, please. Yes, it'll be pink with, with like, black lettering on it. Uh, yeah, well, the shirt needs to say, I hate Dusty Rhodes filters. <laughs> and people will be like, what does that shirt mean? And, and it'll, it'll say, say Fright Failures on Film on the back. So there's Fright our first on film. That's exactly right and people say what does that shirt mean i was like it would literally take me half an hour to explain to you this joke it would literally take a full 30 minutes very specific <laughs> reference to a show that you need to go listen to and it's offensive because dusty road died last year so oh, everyone's God. offended and nobody's happy with this shirt it's the perfect shirt. perfect get it in production i will do that all right um so I think the main the main point though about this movie is just there's just so many reasons not to care about it. Even if you were just to break it down to really just the characters and the the beats of the movie, aside from all of this, is it a dream? The powers that the kids have, yada yada. That even just not caring about the girl and and, and getting to that end scene where um, their kids have dragged her out into the middle of the field and they're raising the knife up. You know, it's it's the end of season one of Game of Thrones. The the axe is about to come on, down on Ned Stark's head, and we are supposed to care at this point. We are supposed to feel tense, but we don't. And so then when the T-1000 shows up to save her and shoot the kid at the last moment and bring her out of there, it, it just feels like, okay, well, here's the next beat of the movie. It's not, yeah. oh, thank God, they saved her, thank God. So that's really the main issue with this movie. Can we be done with with kids with horror movies about kids? Can we please. be done with that, please? I just I'm gonna you know if I win the game this week, I'm gonna have to take an extra look at Netflix and make sure that the 
description of it doesn't have anything to do with fucking kids. Ugh, I, I don't, please. Yes. All right, so what's our game? All right. So I can I undoubtedly can't... lose, and then you can win and pick more <laughs> shit movies for us. And you can write a positive review for this, which, uh, uh, good luck. Jesus Christ. Uh, I can't even... I can't even... Okay, here's here's all you need to know about this movie. This movie is so bad that we can't even do the fucking gimmick of the, the reviews, which is spoil the movie in the last sentence, because there's nothing to spoil in this movie. This movie doesn't have any kind of spoiler... That you could do. You can only spoil a movie that has plot. You know? Right, it's exactly. Kinda, so it's just like, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a dream, it's not a dream. The the children suck, they've got powers. I don't know, it's lame. Like, there's nothing to spoil in this movie. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, it's really awful. All right, so the game this week... The T-1000 doesn't find John Connor in the end of the movie. I don't he know. doesn't, I was so mad about that. Right. Sorry, go ahead. I was actually, when I was looking up uh, his, uh, no, no, it's like, when I was looking up uh, the IMDb and I realized, holy shit, it's a fucking T-1000, because I didn't recognize him. God, he's old, and he's got long hair in this movie. Um, And I realized one of the greatest things that that actor did right after Terminator 2 was be in Wayne's World. Yeah! I love that so much. All right, um, so the game this week is uh, actually uh, has to do with quotes, quotes from horror movies and famous horror characters. And what this is going to be is essentially two truths and a lie, is that uh, I'm going to tell you a, either a movie or a famous horror character and give you three quotes of theirs, and it's our job to pick out which is the fake quote for each of these. Okay. All right, so let me just make sure I've got this up and running here, and then we'll note down our answers and then see who wins. So first and foremost is our good friend Chucky, who we've mentioned several times in our game so far. And uh, his three quotes are, uh, number one, just like the good old days, nothing like a good strangulation to get the circulation going. That's number one. Number two is, and you know what they say about real estate, location, location, location. Well, you guys are in the right place at the wrong time. And number three is Sweet Dreams, Dickhead. Wow, those are all equally terrible and all equally could be in Chucky movies. Which actually, interesting that you bring up Chucky, because I thought that was an element that this movie was lacking as well. Because the elephant in the room is, yes, these children are magical creatures, but they're still children-sized. How are you not punting them? Like, how are you not just... <laughs> bla- like, okay, don't get me wrong, I'm a string beanie, frumpy, skinny, fat fuck in Florida, but I'm fairly confident that if you stuck a bunch of 10-year-olds in a room with me and said, fight your way out, those kids are fucking dead. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like, they're dead. Even if I sit on them, they're dead. There's no way that they're giving me a hard time. Even if it's like 20 to 1, they're dead. I'm going to beat the shit out of all of them. So the fact that it was like, oh, these kids, they're kids here. What are we going to do with these kids? Uh, you take a shovel and you just bludgeon all of them, okay? That's not that's like a 15-minute problem. Like, just take something heavy and just start bludgeoning the shit out of these kids. They should not be giving you that hard of a time. And yet they did in this movie. That was dumb. Anyway, if I had to guess, I'm guessing uh, quote number two is not a Chucky quote. Okay, so quote number two about the location. Yeah, real um, estate. He is he is a man of many things, but real estate advisor, I do not think, is one of them. Yeah, I'm going to say one, because the, the second one sounds... There's so many weird Chucky lines that aren't directly scary. There's kind of true, weird... True, true, but I thought... Uh, I was thinking that too, but I if I had to guess, if that is correct, if the number if number one is a quote, that sounds like something cheesy enough... And you're locked in, by the way. You can't change your answer. Um, mm-hmm. That feels like something that was said in the later movies. Because, like, every time he comes back, then it's like, oh, hey, he's back. Somebody else did voodoo, and now he's back again, or whatever bullshit. Um, that sounds like something that may... It's, it's a little cheesy, it's a little on the nose, but that could be... I could easily see that being something in, like, Seed of Chucky or something like that. Yeah, totally cool. All right, well, I'm locked in. So you're voting number two, I'm voting number one. Next up is uh, our good pal Otis Firefly. Um, he's got three quotes here. The first one being, I'm the one who brings the Christmas candy. Now tell me who's your daddy. Uh, number two being, killing sounds so forever. And number three is, I ain't here to talk. I'm here for the all-American ass party. Well, I need that third one tattooed on my body, but, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go number two again. 
You're going to go number two? I'm going to go two as well. I can't deny my gut on that one, even though we're providing the same answer. We often tie in games, and that's the real right, issue. Which is the so next uh, time we tie, next time we tie in a game, we gotta have a kiss off. <laughs> yes, but number two <laughs> is we both pick a movie and we just watch half of each movie. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll split it down the middle. Separate movies. Yeah, we'll yeah. split it down the middle. So um, our third is uh, the one, the only Freddy Krueger. Um, his first quote is, "Your eyes say no, no, but your mouth says yes, yes." Um, his second is, "I'll get you, my pretty, and your little soul too." I hope that's the fake one, because what the fuck, Freddy? Um, and number three is the law is the law, but tonight the law is on vacation. <laughs> is there another film character called Freddy Krueger that I'm not aware of? Like, none of those sounded like Freddy quotes. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess is part of the game, but, like, none of those sound like Freddy quotes at all. This like, is Jackie Earl Haley's Freddy. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know that famous quote from Freddy, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Like, um, I I gotta go with number number three on that. The law is on vacation. Doesn't make any goddamn sense for a I'm Freddy gonna, movie. Yeah, I'm gonna go for three as well. Um, so really, it comes down to whoever was wrong on number one. On number one, <laughs> because we don't know how to play these games properly. Don't worry, I got I got two more here. Um, one is Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> Well, we tie every goddamn week. You know, uh, the person who writes our questions needed to do more than three because every week we just say the same answer for each question. And we go, all right, time to find out the winner. Now that we, we both the same win. So it's, it's the it's whoever gets one right out of these five. Or better yet, we, we, we play a box office game. We say, how much money did Zombieland make? And you say, $10 billion. And I say, $1. <laughs> so, um, uh, all right, so, uh, two more, two more. All right, Vampire Lestat. Okay. Famously, um, interview with the vampire. So, uh, number one, on contraire, mon cher, he could eat the whole colony. Uh, number two, evil is a point of view. God kills indiscriminately, and so shall we. And number three, vampires pretending to be humans, humans pretending to be vampires. How avant-garde. I'm going to guess number one on that, because that seems a little too on the nose. Then again, it was the 90s, and therefore subtlety didn't exist, but um, I'm going to go with number one on that. I'm actually going to go three on that. Thank uh, God. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, okay, finally is Ghostface, uh, which is interesting, because Ghostface, uh, Ghostface, Ghostface, being Ghostface, usually doesn't talk. It's only after they reveal who Ghostface is that Ghostface will talk, but. Well, there's some, there's some phone conversations and stuff like that. That's fair, yeah. Um, alright, so Ghostface, uh, number one, never say who's there. Don't you watch scary movies? It's a death wish. Uh, number two, have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? And number three, I'm going to slice out your eyes so that you can't blink when I stab you in the face. That's I'm what I said to my and, last girlfriend. I'm going to go ahead and guess number three on that because uh, there's not really, that's a little on the nose. Like, <laughs> like it's like these little bits of poetry and then suddenly it's like, and then I'm going to stab your liver so that you can't drink booze anymore. Like, oh, okay. Goodness. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going two on that one, actually. Okay. So... Okay. So at this point, we well, there is a very strong possibility that one of us is going to win this game. Whoever got at least one right. It's there we go. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get these answers here. So number one, uh, the quote was actually number three was not his quote? Hang on. Let me pull up what these quotes were again. Sweet dreams, dickhead. That's not a quote. That seems the most likely. All right. Well, we're both wrong on that one. Oh, great start. Uh, <laughs> number two, the answer is indeed two, so we were both right there. Fucking damn it. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I want to do an episode that's just us playing these games and My failing games. miserably the at all of them. And just tying on every one. <laughs> okay, the third, the answer is number three, so we're both right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my god. Okay, um, the fourth, the answer is actually three, um, which I had voted three on that one, so I actually get that oh, one that... right. At this point, I'm in the lead. Oh, my God. The, la <laughs> <laughs> the last answer 
is three, which means you got it. Which means you no, no. <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck did we do this? There were five questions. Uh, How did we do this? Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Um. All right. Well, fine. You said it, and so I'll agree. We're gonna each watch half of a movie next week. Um. All right. Okay. Do we want to announce what those movies are? No, I need. I need a minute to figure because I always assume I'm gonna lose these, so I never <laughs> have a movie ready. And then I don't it just kind of have my iPad like in my other hand. I'm just kind of scrolling through the horror section on Netflix, like what looks like shit. Um. <laughs> I cannot believe, oh my god. <laughs> so good. And once again, for the eighth week in a row, the game does not decide a clear winner. <laughs> so, we will once again come up with some other wacky way to try to figure this out in the future, but next week we'll each watch half a movie. And Are we each going to write half of the bad review of... Uh, god, of yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, oh, all right. Oh, this isn't going to work at all. Anyway, so uh, oh, anything else that we need to get in here before we, we put this thing to rest? Let's <laughs> plug real quick because at this point we've gone just totally bonkers. Um, but plugs real quick. Uh, guys, anybody who stumbles upon this, uh, thank you so much if you've made it this far. Um, you're, you've I'm got so a strong so, way. I'm so sorry we haven't gotten the game thing. I'm sorry. Out. I'm sorry, first of all, but also thank you. Um, and uh, if you can go ahead and like us on uh, Twitter, you can follow us at uh, Fright Failures, uh, Instagram Frightful Failures. We've we on a Tumblr Frightful Failures, um, and then please like, rate us, rate us a review on iTunes. Very very helpful, and we appreciate it a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and you can check out my writing at hauntingandheroes.tumblr.com. How about you, buddy? Um, I'm wrapping up the first. Uh chunk of final 30s on uh, youtube.com slash horrible horrors new and then uh, there's going to be a red brown uh, review of cage which is a really I'm getting into an awkward assortment of uh, action films which is weird but there's going to be some of those reviews coming up and then uh, and then that's it for me so yeah uh, uh, until next time I, I am so excited to see how next week goes oh god it has so many variables that could just be disastrous. You think our regular episodes are shitty? Get ready. Oh, my God. Super shitty episode next week. <laughs> the shittiest of shit. Uh, uh, until next time, I am Zach Romero. And I am Tian Guignol. Thank you for listening and keep circulating the tapes. Ha 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 ha!